Lord, I need you. Amen. Oh, I need you. Dear God, speak to us through your word this morning. We need the bread of life, and our heart and our mind is open to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So open your Bibles, please, and uh, let's go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 14, which is our text for this morning. Uh, the title, anyone know the title of the sermon this morning? Can we say it together? Yes. You are the message. Okay, let's say it together again. You are the message. This changes it a little bit and say, I am the message. Ready? One, two, three. I am the message. Okay, so we're... In Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. And I'm going to read it from three different versions and see if we can capture the essence of one key word that I have highlighted on my iPad, which I might just give a special emphasis when I read it to give you a clue. <laughs> King James Version says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. The uh, Weymouth uh, New Testament says, And this good news of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world and set the evidence before all Gentiles, and then the end will come. International Standard Version. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So do you catch the three words? Which ones were they? Witness, evidence, and testimony. So if you go to a court, and you're supposed to be there as a witness, but you didn't see anything, you're in trouble. You know, it's like someone has a, a, a car accident, and, and it's always good that some witnesses hang around because that's always good when i when i crashed on on easter there was no witnesses i mean there was a lot of traffic and a lot of cars going by but no one wanted to hang around to be a witness but if you hang around to be a witness and the policeman says what did you see i didn't see anything i'm just hanging around what type of witness is that a witness is someone that has seen something testimony you go to court and you give your testimony you're going to say the facts, you're going to state what happened, what you know. And I love the word that this other verse used, the Widmouth uh, New Testament. It says, and the good news of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world to set the evidence. So when a person is in court and they're supposed to get judged, well, there better be some type of evidence that can really help the judge make a decision or the jury if it's a, a jury case. So what happens if there's no evidence? So it, it, if you were to be condemned for being a Christian today, would there be enough evidence to condemn you? So, so you see how important this is. The title of the sermon is, You Are the Message. And here what we're seeing is, you are the message that people see. That people see. What do people see when you're at your workplace? Do you holler at your employees? Do you get upset with your boss and your face gets all disconfigured and it's like, 
Just by the way you're looking at your boss, it's like, I'd like to strangle you to death. <laughs> or how about your kids at home? Can they see Jesus in you by the way you treat them? By the way you correct them? The way you have to sometimes discipline them? Is it in a godly manner? How do you treat your wife? So when I say you're the message, the first thing that I want to underline is that you are the message by what people see in you. It's not about your knowledge. You can have a whole bunch of knowledge about the Bible. You can know a lot about prophecy, about the book of Daniel, Revelation. You know, there's, you know, there, there's this one guy that he was preaching, right? And uh, he was preaching on Daniel, Revelation, on the beast and all that. And the fact was that he was a beast at home because he didn't know how to treat his wife and his children. So what do people see in us? What is, what is the witness that people are going to give about us? What is the evidence they have about us? What testimony are we giving by the lifestyle that we live? You know, it's just as simple as this. When the kids go to school, you know, they're just about to go back to school, and some of them go to public school, and there's things there that we shouldn't eat that give you at lunch, right? And of course, you can pray, like if you have a headache, you know, you can go like, and say a silent amen, and you're good, right? But what happens if you challenge yourself to pray in silence? I mean, you're not going to go there and, Dear Father in heaven! No, no, you just bow your head and say, God, thank you for this food, you know? And if you know there's something there that you're not supposed to eat that's not healthy for you or that biblically is unclean, then you're going to say no. Okay? So what do people see? Remember, you are the message. So, so let's go to, to the next part. New Living Translation, 2 Corinthians 2.15. So go ahead and look up uh, 2 Corinthians 2.15. Our lives, says the New Living Translation, our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. So you are the message. People can smell. So first we are the message people can see, but now you are the message that people can smell. So when you're around people, are they comfortable with your presence? You know, I know people that love to eat raw garlic because it's really good for your health. You know, I don't like to eat raw garlic. But I know people that do. And the people that eat a lot of garlic, they actually sweat garlic. And so they smell like garlic. And it's like, get out of my face. Right? <laughs> you know, they, they, they don't smell good. Are there things that we do, attitudes that we possess that make people feel uncomfortable, that make us smell nasty? You know, when, when, when teenagers sweat, and this is going to be something you guys are going to have to handle in Oshkosh in the tents. You know, when they sweat and they take those socks off at night, man, there will be no mosquitoes in that tent, I guarantee you, because they will die before they get in. 
So they have to take their powder, you know, and they have to, you know, find ways of trying to make that tent smell good. Because now you can't, you can't live in that tent. You can't sleep in that tent if it doesn't smell good. So as Christians, what do people smell in us? Because you are the message that people can smell. And you don't have to see a person that's smelly. You just smell them. So here we're going to list just a little bit further because, yeah, yes, people can see what you do and they can judge you by what you do and they can see if Jesus lives in you or not. But sometimes you don't have to show that you're a Christian. It's just your attitudes, the way that you handle yourself. What do you smell like? I like that verse that says, you know, like, like, it says, how beautiful are the feet. <laughs> I don't know if you have beautiful feet or not. I know some people have some very ugly feet. But, you know, they have all the toes the same size. Have you seen people like that have all the toes the same size? Right? And they have some really ugly feet. But here it says that when you witness to God, when you participate in the sharing of the gospel, your feet are beautiful. But what does that mean? That they're not smelly? Beautiful feet should not be smelly. So what do you smell like? The Bible says that our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. A fragrance perceived differently by those that are saved and by those who are perishing. Why, why does it say that? Because when you smell good for Jesus, those that are perishing, they'll take one or two attitudes. They'll say, hey, why do you smell so good? Or they're going to say, you smell good, but to me you stink. So people that are perishing, they either accept who you are or they reject who you are. The people that are saved, hopefully, they always accept you. <laughs> Sometimes I wonder. But we are perceived differ differently by those that are saved and those that are lost. But we are a Christ-like fragrance. Now, you are a message that people can see, you are a message that people can smell, but you're also a message that people can read. So let's look it up. 2 Corinthians 3.2, King James Bible. It says you, or E, because this is the old King James, it says E-R, our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So what is an epistle? It's not the wife of an apostle, no. It's, it's, it's a letter, okay? It's a letter. And it says here that you are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. So how many of you have read, met Epistle Raj? Or maybe Epistle Barbara? Or Epistle Diana? Hey, we are letters that people can read. Let, let's, let's look up another verse. And have it also in the English Standard Version. It says, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation written on our hearts to be known and read by all. So you don't have to be around people. You don't have to have them see you or smell you because people can know who you are 
by what other people say about you. That's why, that's why Paul says, you are our epistle written in our hearts. So who's given the witness now? Who's given the testimony now? It's not you. It's other people that know you. It's other people that talk about you. So when people talk about you, what are they saying? Are they saying, wow, I wish I could be a Christian like so-and-so. Isn't he just so gentle, so kind with his wife? I wish I would be a husband like that. What are they saying about you? When they gossip about you. When they gossip about you, what are they saying? We are being read. We are an open book. You're our letter of recommendation, says that other version. In other words, if someone calls me and asks for a letter of recommendation about you, and I can't give that recommendation because of certain things, what do I have to tell that company? Well, I'll be really kind to you. I just won't probably answer that. <laughs> or I'll just say that I can't at this moment or whatever, but I'm not going to talk bad about you. But what about when they ask a letter of recommendation, which I've given few since I've been here, which is almost a year now, and I've given several letters of recommendation, either to keep the Sabbath or because you want to go study, you know, and, and, and so it's been my privilege to give letters of recommendation. And what a wonderful thing when the things that I ask about you, because I had just gotten here and I was already getting, you know, uh, emails, Pastor, can you give me a letter of recommendation? So I would call Elder Wilton and I would call some other, and what do you think about this person? Can I recommend? Oh, yeah. I mean, in a heartbeat, Pastor. Everything's good. Oh, what a privilege to write that recommendation letter so that others can read it and say, okay, we'll hire this person. Isn't that wonderful? So don't forget that you are a message that people can see, that people can smell, but you are the message that people can read because there are people that are going to be talking about you. Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. If you declare with your mouth, listen to this, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So you are the message that people should hear. It's true. Maybe what people see is a lot stronger of a message than what you say, but God does expect you to say who you are. So let me make that clear. There's a, there's a Chinese saying that says that, that, that what you do is talking so loud that I can't hear what you're saying. So I understand that your testimony, the way you live, is the most powerful sermon. But God does expect you to talk about Jesus. God does expect you to confess that he is your Lord. So you can't keep silent. Someone says, no, we're just going to preach with my lifestyle. And what if a person asks you, and why do you keep the Sabbath? Or what does it mean to be an Adventist? What does that word actually mean? What does it mean 
to be an Adventist. Or, I know you're a Christian. What does that mean? And you say, just look at my lifestyle. That's not going to cut it, folks. That's not going to cut it. God has given you an opportunity to speak, to talk. And one of the best things we can do, one of the most powerful things that we can do is to share the good news of the gospel by giving our own personal testimony of our conversion. What God has done in our life, who Jesus really means to me. And so there's three times I was, I was with a small group, with uh, Elder Wilton's group, and then I was also with uh, Ernest and his group. He was not able to be there that day, but we were able to teach the folks in these two small groups how to give their personal testimony. Remember that, Elder? So there's a before Christ and after Christ, and what's right in the middle? How you met Christ. So there's three times. And in those three times, how you were before you met Jesus, how you met Jesus, and how you are now, in which part of the story should we spend less time? Before. I mean, that's, that's, that's a disgrace to be talking about a lot of that stuff. Like this gentleman, he would come up in, in front of the church sometimes in my, in my wife's home church in Wasabi, Sinaloa, and he would say, when I wasn't a Christian, oh, I had the most beautiful women and that. And I would get home and I would take this cold beer out and I would open it, just the foam would just come out of the, the can. And he would make it like a big deal what he was before knowing Jesus. What a shame. So that's the shortest part of the story. Before I knew Jesus, I was merciful. I was a bad husband. You know, maybe a minute. It's enough. Stop it. And then talk about how you met Jesus. And you can spend a couple of minutes in that. And then you can spend a little bit more time on how you are now that you know Jesus and that you're sharing Jesus and that Jesus has changed your life. So let, let's read Paul's testimony real quick. It's in Acts chapter 22. We'll start with verse 1. Brothers and sisters, listen now to my defense. So he's in a court. Remember that witnessing, testimony, evidence that we talked about at the beginning? When they heard him speak to them in the Aramic, they became very quiet. And Paul said, hear, hear, hear his testimony. I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, in Jerusalem. I studied under Gamaliel and was truly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. But now listen to verse 4. I persecuted the followers of this way unto their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. And now, how did I meet the Lord? Okay, so, so, so listen to this. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say, say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you, who you are persecuting. He replied, my companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. And verse 10 says, what should I do, Lord? I asked, get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand to Damascus. Of course, he was blind. 
So they led him by the hand, because of the brilliance of the light that had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up! Be baptized! Wash your sins away! Call in on his name. So notice, it's so simple, brothers and sisters, to give your testimony. Just talk about how you were before you knew Jesus, how you met him, and how your life has been changed since Jesus is part of your life. You know, when you're out there, with your co-workers, with your friends, your classmates at school, they don't want to listen about the Sabbath, not yet. They'll come to that at an appropriate time. They don't want to listen about why you give your tithes or return your tithes or know about unclean food. They want to know what Jesus means to you because that's the gospel. That's the gospel. Following his word is just the result of the gospel. So share your testimony. I, I, I'm just so amazed when I meet some of my Pentecostal friends or evangelical friends. It's just so spontaneous for them. I don't know what happens to us, but it's just so spontaneous. They, they'll actually come to you and say, have you been saved? Have you ever witnessed that? And then you say, what does that mean? Or, or, or you start a conversation that, you know, you, you know what happened? I used to be a miserable person. You know, I, I was in drugs. I didn't have a home. Actually, my parents threw me out of the house because I was in a lot of legal problems, and I was all messed up. But this, this one day at school, I met this young man, a Seventh-day Adventist, and he told me, hey, we're going to have a camp out with the AY. Would you like to come and camp out? And I went and camped out, and we played games, and we went fishing, and we had so much fun. And I was able to see that there was another way of life. And this young person decided to give me Amazing Facts Bible study lessons. And after three or four months of studying, I decided to get baptized. And my life has changed ever since. I left the drugs. I have a job. My parents have accepted me back at home. Everything is different now that I know Jesus. So giving your personal testimony should be simple. So let's see how simple it is. Who wants to come up here? I'll give you one minute to talk about your past. Two minutes to talk about how you met Jesus and two more minutes, so a total of five minutes, on how Jesus has made a difference in your life. So who wants to come up and share their testimony? Because this is supposed to be easy. Okay? All right, who's going to come up? Come on up, sister. Okay, so one minute on how you were before you met Jesus, two minutes on how you met him, and two minutes on how your life has been changed and what he means to you now. Um, I'm going to try. <laughs> um, so I, I was um, 40 years old. My life was a mess, physically, emotionally, financially. Mm. And I, I was not walking with the Lord. And I don't know what happened. Little by little, God started speaking to me. He, um, I'm going to go two minutes. <laughs> he, um, first thing I remember, it's like I didn't want to hear cursing. 
You know, I was like, I told my husband, I'm tired of you cursing over my head. So that was like the first time. Another time I'm taking my kids to, my daughter wanted to use my car, so she's taking me to work. And I'm telling her, my mom is a Christian, and she's praying for me, and, you know, I'm good. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me for the first time in that car while I was talking to them. He said, and what are you doing for your children? I was speechless for the rest of the way. And then I said, um, you know, I'm working too hard. I'm not having fun. Let's go to Florida and have fun. We're going to go to the bar, and I'm going to do what I used to do. And in that bar, I realized that my life has changed, and I didn't even know it. I'm sitting in that bar, and I felt like an alien. I'm like, something has happened. This is not me. And that week, that time, my sister was having a crusade at her church. I went there, and we started singing our choruses, and I felt <laughs> like I came home. And I've never looked back. I saw the light. And I am not turning back. With God's help, I want to see his face. Now, now talk a little bit about what, it, what your life is like right now, today. Okay. <laughs> well, today, um, my life is awesome. I'm a new person, physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm trying to get physically, too. But God is good. Um, I'm, doing, I'm not doing a lot here. I mostly live in Belize. So I have a health ministry in Belize called Tree of Life Ministry. And I just... Can we brag? You can brag with a lot of humility. <laughs> I just want to say that, um, that I, I try to help my country because we're very poor down there. So we, I just, we just did um, back to school drive like we're doing. We just did this past weekend. We ship a bunch of boxes and stuff. So I'm not bragging about me because I can do nothing. I, don't, I wouldn't even think of doing anything for anybody. But that's the change that God has bring about. That um, you're always considering how, what else can I do? Amen. How can I? Bless what, what, what did Paul ask as soon as he knew it was Jesus that was talking to him? What do you want me to do? Yeah, and, and that really is the, the the spirit that I now have. And again, it's not of me; it's what God is doing. I, I ask for prayer, of course, because I have four children that I want them to feel what I have. And my daughter is here with me, Amen. but, um, you know, Amen. just pray. Keep praying for me as, uh, as we all, you know, do for the Lord and, and, and to bring more Amen. people into his kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it. I truly believe that we want Jesus to come soon. How many of you want Jesus to come soon? I truly believe that we want to go home. I truly believe that we want to spend eternity with Jesus. But, sorry about that, folks. But, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. So don't forget, you are the message. You are the message that people see. You are the message that people smell. You are the message that people read, but you're also the, the message that people need to hear. How many of you today would like to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you to be a faithful witness of God's gospel and his love towards mankind? How many of you would like to be more involved in, in missions and more involved in just giving your personal testimony, which is powerful? So that people can know that Jesus is for real and that he can do what he has done for you for them also. 
How many of you want to stand up and say, Lord, use me. I want to be an instrument in your hands. I want to be part of this last outpouring of the Holy Spirit so that this world can be full of the glory of God. Amen. When a church responds to an altar call like that, I just feel like jumping. <laughs> Praise God. Please, don't forget, you're the message. Dear God, thank you so much for blessing us today. Thank you for talking to our hearts. Thank you for this beautiful testimony. And thank you, Lord, because you have redeemed us, you have saved us, and you have put your eyes upon us that we can be the instruments in your hands to take this gospel to everyone around us. We want you to come, Lord. We want to spend eternity with you. We want to see your second coming. But the gospel needs to be preached. And that can only be done with total member participation. We need to be involved. So use us, Lord, in any way you want. We're at your disposal. Lead us, Lord, in such a way that when the opportunities show up, that we can share our faith, that we can talk about our faith, that we do so. And help us, Lord, to have the exciting experience of seeing someone baptized because of something that I did, something that you did through me, so that person could make that decision. God, what an amazing thing that would be if we could, at least every single one of us, bring one soul to the cross. What a difference that would make in our lives, in their life, in our church community, and even in our society. So God, thank you so much for allowing us to be the message. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.